ESPN LA 710. Bob Babbitt, the co-founder of the Challenged Athletes Foundation, or CAF, invited me and Angel City Games athlete Jonathan Brown to take a tour of their award-winning facility last week. Bob begins our tour talking about how they were helping one man, Jim McLaren, quote, an exceptional athlete, first as an amputee and then as a quadriplegic. After losing his leg in a motorcycle accident, Jim became a pioneer, achieving feats that others never thought possible for amputees, end quote. Here's Bob as he takes us through an inspirational journey of strength, love, and deep competition. I'm covering Jimmy, and then eight years later, he's racing in Orange County and in a triathlon, and a van goes through a closed intersection, hits the back of his bike, propels him headfirst into a pole, and comes a quadriplegic, a guy who's an amputee. Oh my so God. that's when three of us got together, myself, Rick Kozlowski, who was a local event director, and Jeffrey, who was working uh, as a CFO of a clothing company called Tinley, got together. Uh-huh. And the whole idea was we knew triathlons. So we wanted to put on a little triathlon right. and raise enough money to buy Jimmy a vehicle he can drive with his hands. Because the one thing that I had learned from covering people who were paralyzed, when I'd ask them about what's the worst part about being paralyzed. It was always, I'm 30 years old, here come mom and dad back in my life, no sense of self, no sense of independence. So anyways, we put on this little triathlon, uh, and the goal was to buy Jimmy that van that had hand controls to give him that independence that you lose as somebody who's paralyzed. Well, the goal was 25, we raised 49, and then we thought our job was done. And these three gals were all amputees and were participating in the events. This was for the Jim McLaren Fund. It was for, uh, for, was for. And they came up to us and said, you know, Jimmy was the reason we got into endurance sports. He's been our, he, he's been our mentor. But did you know if you have some sort of injury that your health insurance will cover a walking around leg or an everyday chair, but nothing to do with sports is covered. It's considered a luxury item. So that's when we got our 5013C and decided that if someone needed a piece of equipment, training or travel to stay in the game of life through sport would be there. So across the top, year one is one grand. And if you traverse across, 1132. And then this year, we just sent out 2,448 grants. And then if you go across the bottom. This is each year. Each year. That's how many grants we sent out. So it went from 1132 in 2013. And then in 2017, we sent out 2,448. And this is, again, the money we raised each year. So year one was 49K, 2013 was 7 million, 14 was 8 million, uh, 15 was 9 million, and then slash was. So we've raised over 90 million. Now. These legs aren't cheap right now. Well, exactly. Yeah. So then over time, Robin Williams joined us, and for 11 years in a row, Robin was part of what we call Team Braveheart with Rudy who was actually, this is Rudy on the wall here, winning his first Paralympic gold medal at the age of 16 in Athens. He's a double above knee amputee uh, from the age of six, who basically asked his parents to cut his legs off because he'd been crawling on the ground. He had a thing called pterygium syndrome, which is a flap of skin behind both knees, so his legs wouldn't straight out. So his parents would, they'd actually, originally, they put these metal contraptions on his legs, and every night, Mm. mom would turn this, like the rack, to try to straighten his legs. Because they couldn't just, you'd look at it and go, why can't they just cut that? It's too vascular, they can't just cut it. So then at the age of six, he asked his parents his legs cut off. Then he got into swimming, and that's when we met him, and now he's 28 years old. He's living, I was just with him in New York. 
and he's won, he's been at four Paralympics. He's the only above the ampu- double above the amputee to finish the Ironman triathlon in Arizona. He um, on prosthetics. On prosthetics, and when he rides a bike, he doesn't have quads and hamstrings, so it's all about glutes. Really? So, yeah, on a regular bike. Oh he's a total God. stud. And he's run an 18-minute 5K. Uh, Wait, he, what? 18-minute 5K. And he was told, so this is what happened. First of all, they, he grew up in a trailer, right? We're talking 700-square-feet trailer with four other siblings, never had a bedroom. And so as he's growing up, <laughs> after he has his legs amputated, his mom calls up the prosthetist, this guy Michael Davidson, says, Mr. Davidson, so when's Rudy going to run? Uh-huh. And he's like, lady, he's on stilts. No yeah. double above knee amputee has ever run. And finally, she was so persistent, mm. he set up a meeting at the office to tell them face-to-face he's never going to run. And he said, I walk into the waiting room, and the kid's doing a handstand on the walker. And I figured if he wants to run, I better figure it out. Yes. So they <laughs> became mentors, right. right, where Rudy broke 50 sets of legs. The state-issued legs that he was getting were held together with bungee cords. Michael was developing high-tech uh, technology for Rudy that was going to be transferred to anybody else. So did he help with the blade technology? Totally. Totally. Oh so what ha- and remember when he's above knee, he runs like this. He's right. Super, yeah, yeah. He has I have free- to run like that too. Now. Exactly. Yeah. You bring your leg out. Right. So And it's hard on your hip. Very hard so on your hips so and if you lower have back. Two, you're hard on both hips. Yes. And the, your lower back. Oh my god. So, anyways, it's, Michael tells this funny story. The two of them, it, Rudy broke 50 sets of legs. And as we jump in, he said, my goal wasn't to get him running. My goal was to let him be a kid. Mm-hmm. How can he play, right? right, right so he goes, right. Rudy's my... So I'd get together with him after every leg he'd break and go, what happened? He says, well, the socket on the outside, I was skateboarding, and then I jumped off this wall, and this happened... And he goes, so I started looking at him. He's my collaborator. He's a guy, you know, he's a professional like me. So so I'm taking his socket and I'm turning it upside down. He's explaining me what happened and all these Tootsie Rolls fall out. And I realize my collaborator's like nine years old and he's using his socket to stash his stash of all his cool stuff. So so Rudy became, he was the first kid we worked with. And... uh, when we did our first photo shoot with Rudy, and remember we had just started this foundation, and I come from more of a media background. And hmm. I grew up with, when you talk charity, it was Sally Struthers in the middle of the night with yes. violin music and people crying. Right. I was like, that's not us. Mm-hmm. We are powerful. No we pity party. St- exactly. No pity So the party. first photo of Rudy yeah. when he was seven is what? Tim Mantuani, who took a lot of the photos in this building, like the ones of Scout and Bill. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Tim Bill Walton. Yeah. And, yeah, I've met Scout uh, online before. Yeah, she's really nice. So the whole idea was hero shot, low angle, sort of looking at you like, what are you looking at? You want a piece of this? Give me a piece of equipment and I'll kick your ass, right? Period. And that's, we yeah. wanted to change perceptions that our athletes weren't to be pitied and they, 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 they were to be appreciated because they were tougher than you are. Yes. Right? It's the last thing we want most Exactly. Of the you just want acceptance. Yeah, exactly. We want a level playing field, we want acceptance. So anyways, over time, we had Will Farrell, Robin Williams, Jim Carrey up there. Oh, our great. film, Emmanuel's Gift, came out in 2005 and one of the stories I tell is when people talk about how do I impact the world you know I'm just one person I can't change the world I say okay 
Let me tell you the story of Emmanuel. Emmanuel was born in Ghana, which we thought was near Cleveland. Had no idea where Ghana was. <laughs> and he was born basically with missing his tibia. So he had a, a short bone, the fibula, with a mm. foot on the end of it. And in his country, in Ghana, there's 20 million people and 2 million are disabled. 10% of the population is disabled there. And you're considered a second-class citizen, and your family is considered cursed if you have any type of disability. So his father, when he was born, oh my gosh, deserted the family. Didn't want anything to do with this disabled child. Mom was told to abandon him in the jungle because all disabled just, they begged on the street. That was a lot in life for someone who was disabled. His mom refused to do that. She would carry him back and forth to school every day. And when he turned 13, she became very ill, so he left school to shine shoes for $2 a day to support the family. When he turned 18, she passed away. And at that point, his thing was, I want to do something to honor her life. He sat with a missionary in Ghana and found us online and sent us a typewritten <laughs> grant request for a bicycle because he wanted to ride across Ghana to show people that someone with a disability could accomplish anything in honor of his mom. So we get this grant request. And his birthday is Cinco de Mayo, which is my birthday. <laughs> and great. so it's like, okay, we'll that's send a good a, day we'll, to have a birthday. Yes. We'll send him a bike, and we'll never hear from the kid again. We send him a bike. He rides 600 kilometers on one leg on a mountain bike, and people start running after him through the streets of Ghana. Nobody with a disability has ever achieved anything. And here, here's this kid running through this, uh, riding through the streets. So we decided to bring him to San Diego for the event we created for Jim McLaren. That's great. All right? He's never been on a plane. Never been I Ghana. He has three dollars in pocket when he gets here, and he does our fifty-six mile bike ride here mm -hmm. in San Diego. It takes him seven hours with one leg on a mountain bike. And after some, so Amanda, what did you think of the bike mm -hmm. ride? Because Bob, I did not know San Diego was so hilly. <laughs> so he, he does. Then we sat down with Loma Linda Hospital and said, "Is this kid a candidate for prosthetic?" Mm -hmm. They were our title sponsor. Mm -hmm. And they kept him a couple of days. They said, yes, he is. So we did a deal that we'd take care of the cost of transportation back and forth from Ghana, and we would take care of the leg. Mm -hmm. And they would take care of the operation and homestay. So we sent him back to Ghana. And at that point, I'm like, it's going to be really cool to do this. Mm -hmm. But if we don't capture this, if we don't get this on film, mm -hmm. what a miss. Yeah. So through the Iron Man, I had worked with a woman named Lisa Lax who produced all the Ironman triathlon features for NBC and the Olympic features. Cool. Her twin sister produced a Tour de France for CBS, oh. and they had both just left after 16 Emmy Awards television to create a documentary film company called Lookalike Productions. So I reached out to Lisa and Aaron said, listen, I don't know what this is. I don't know if this is a documentary. All I know is I want someone to capture what his leg looks like now, mm -hmm. be there for the operation, and be there when he does our bike ride next year with two legs rather than one. Mm. And Lisa's like, that sounds great. When's he coming? Like four months, five months? I said, no, no, five days. <laughs> they put a crew on a plane. They fly to Ghana. And they, Lisa's calling, going, Bob, this is the colors here. It's unbelievable how, how beautiful this area is. Mm. And they, he comes to, to Loma Linda for the operation, does the operation. And six weeks later, he does a triathlon. Oh, six six weeks? weeks? Six weeks. Six Three mile weeks. run. 10 mile bike, 150 yards swimming a pool. How unusual is that? Uh, so then, we're, you know, we're filming all this. That's... Fly him back to Ghana, gets off the plane, right? And he's got jeans on for the first time in his life because he doesn't have this thing sticking out the back of his knee, mm -hmm. right? He's got the metal on from doing the triathlon. Yeah, I mean, most amputees take two months or so at least to, exactly. just to heal. Right. And he's in six, six weeks. Six weeks he's doing the triathlon. Yeah. 
So, and he's wearing a $15,000 leg in a country with a per capita income of $400. And it's like a ticker tape parade through the city of Kofarudia, where he's from. So, next step, we bring him back to do our bike ride the following year. And he does it in four hours rather than seven hours, with two legs rather than one. Receives our most inspirational athlete award from Robin Williams. Then we fly him up to Nike to receive what's called the Casey Martin Award, which goes to people who are inspirational to the disabled. Comes with a $25,000 grant. He becomes our ambassador to Ghana, and we match the $25,000 with another $25,000. So now he's our ambassador to Ghana with $50,000. Then we sent him to New York to have a sit-down with the Secretary General of the United Nations, Kofi Annan, who's from Ghana, to talk about the rights of disabled in Ghana. Then we sent a rough cut to Oprah, who agrees to narrate the film. Right? The O? The O. <laughs> Emmanuel's, Emmanuel's gift comes out, right? And before right. Emmanuel's gift comes out, Lisa and Nancy pitch ESPN about having Emmanuel and Jim receive the Arthur Ashe Courage Award at the ESPYs. Oh, my gosh. And so that's what happened. If you that's go amazing. online, it's narrated by Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. The piece is beautiful. That's and amazing. And so the following week, we're in... DC for the for the premiere of the film at the National Geographic Theater, uh-huh. and we get a call from the oh. White House. Oh, <laughs> not Oprah, the White House. Oh, yeah. The White House. <laughs> President Bush saw the ESPYs oh. and would love to meet Emmanuel because he's also oh someone gosh. who rides a bike. Wow. So we walked. We're in the oval. We're in the White House, and we're in the waiting room, and. We are watching these news reports of this bombing in the in the subways in London. This is you know again o four o five era, right? And we're like, oh, they're going to cancel our visit, and nope, they're ushering us in the Oval Office. And here comes Rumsfeld and Cheney sprinting out of the Oval Office as they usher us in. So we're standing in the Oval Office, and it's Emmanuel, my partner from Competitor Magazine, John, myself, and the most powerful man on the planet. Yeah. And we're in a little semi little circle. And President Bush is like, so, Emmanuel, you know what I appreciate? <laughs> I appreciate that you were never looking for government help, that you wanted to change the plight of disabled, and you wanted to do it on your own. So let me ask you about your mountain biking. So when you ride your mountain bike, do you ride SPD pedals? Do you ride flat pedals? Do you ride cages? Because I ride with my boys out at Quantico, mm. and we ride hard. Tell me a little bit more about how you ride your bike. So Manuel's wearing his Ghana garb, right, like a <laughs> gown. And he reaches down to show the president how his leg works. And when he does this, it makes an audible click, which the Secret Service wasn't very happy about. Oh, no. And they start moving towards us. <laughs> and next thing you know, President Bush is holding this leg in his hand. And so the next day we get an email from the guy who set up this visit for us. And he goes, hey, guys, just want to let you know we have a list of the firsts that happen in the Oval <laughs> Office. The first person to take their leg off in the Oval <laughs> Office, Emmanuel Lafosa Yeboah from Ghana. But the cool part was... Oh, that's funny. The president of Ghana had done nothing to help Emmanuel with his idea of getting a Disability Act passed in Ghana. So now Emmanuel's on the front page of papers in Ghana with the most powerful man in the world. When he gets off the plane, Emmanuel gets off the plane, the president of Ghana greets him and is like, Emmanuel, I'm going to get your bill presented to parliament, and six months later it was passed. Wow. That's amazing. So when people say, I'm one person, how can I make a difference? Yeah. Right. This kid with shining shoes. Yeah. Right? Movie made of his life. Now he's a motivational speaker. He has two little girls. He named his first little Aww. girl Linda after Loma Linda Hospital. Aww. And his second little girl Comfort after his mom. And wow. he speaks around the world. He's trying to build a... 
um, a physical therapy and fitness center in Ghana where all the employees are challenged athletes. And so it's cool. so that's the Emmanuel story. So if you have a chance to, that's on Amazon, everywhere else. But Emmanuel's gift is beautiful, and the piece at ESPN that Lisa and Nancy produced for the ESPYS, spectacular. Great. So over time, then we added a bike ride. Uh, besides our triathlon, our bike ride, which comes up in October, it's twelve thousand five hundred each. We close it with one hundred and twenty riders. It's full on first class. Mm. So each day of the ride, well, first they have a police escort across Golden Gate Bridge. Then each day of the ride, uh, they meet you for lunch, usually along the ocean. And then when you're finished with the ride, your masseuse is waiting for you. Your bags are in your five-star hotel room. Yes, please. And your mechanic mechanic is tuning up your bike for the next day. And it's Bill Walton and Chris Mullen and Rick Berry and the president of Qualcomm and president of Gateway and a number of our challenged athletes. And we do grants along the way. It's it's amazing. That's wonderful. We do a gala in New York that we just did on June 13th. We raised $2.2 million there uh, this year (laughs) with about, um, about 800 attendees. And uh, it, is it an auction or it's, a, ho- it's an auction, silent auction, and um, hmm. we have an honoree each year, and that honoree brings in a bunch of his folks, and it's it like so. Yeah, so we had a um, we one of our big auction items is a spot in the Ironman Triathlon World Championship, and you know we have that norm that goes for anywhere from fifty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. Then, um, you know, we, we started our Access for Athletes. So we do grants, like I said. So we just sent out 2,448 grants, totaling $3.7 million. And when I was up at that, those games, right. we up in Angel City games, a number of people who came up. And I was just picking people randomly. Some people had a CAF shirt on, mm-hmm. but other people didn't. And they were like, you bought me that chair. You oh. guys bought me that leg. That little kid with the shark leg? Yes. We bought it. Uh-huh. No way. Yeah. Yeah. He was running everywhere. everywhere. You could not stop him. It was amazing. He's, he's got jaws on his leg because oh. yeah. he wants to be a diver when he grows up. Oh. That's oh, his whole that's thing. That's cool. Yeah. So actually, I, I, we did some really fun, grainy black and white photos with that cool textured wall. Mm-hmm. And I'm putting together a little little um, uh, little stories on each of those athletes. So I think cool. we did like 14 athletes. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And so I did the, the, the copy and then also did it audio as well. So we'll, yeah, so we're just sort of experimenting with different stuff. And then Bill, um, Bill got involved with us a number of years ago. He actually came to us. His brother used to work us, with us at, at competitor group, Bruce, who played for the Cowboys. And he was one who was telling Bill about CAF, and mm-hmm. Bill came to us, and he has his own chair that he said he's got like a, this this. Uh, uh, patio chair because he's so tall he can't sit in a regular chair oh. yeah. so he comes walking in here and he's, he's had 36 surgeries uh, he's had geez. yeah Bill Walton was close to suicidal he was laying on the floor of his house he had to give up his gig as a basketball commentator because he couldn't get on a plane was it his back, back. Or, yeah, yeah like Larry Bird exactly all those tall guys seem to yeah. have back issues it's later very true yeah yeah, we always think that it's great to be that big. No, mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's better to be sort of a normal size yeah. and not yeah. have to worry about that stuff. So he uh, finally had this new invasive surgery, and uh, it cured it. So he's back riding his bike. And the oh, cool part was, great. yeah, and he does our bike ride every year. And actually usually brings about 10 people that he pays for to come do the Million Dollar Challenge bike ride. And That's one great. year, and you remember thinking people are paying 12500 They could be fairly high-maintenance 
wealthy people. Mm -hmm. And one year we had rain and hail and, you know. Locusts. We had every, (laughs) the weather was just horrific the entire time. And every morning, Bill would get up in front of the group because people would be like, oh, I can't put it on riding. Bill would just go. I get to ride my bike today. Yes. And it was yeah. so cool. It just changed the whole mentality. It's like, yes. if this guy's happy to ride, he can't, he can't use clip-in pedals. He has to use flat pedals because he's, he's had his ankles fused. And, oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. But he loves riding a bike. That's amazing. Then um, we opened this bill, and we, uh, 45% of the U.S. Paralympic team, that was in Vancouver, this last mm-hmm. time at the, win- at the summer game, it was over 50% of the U.S. team that received great. grants from CAF at some point or another. In fact, one of my favorite things was I had a, uh, a mom named Deborah Jackson came up to me at the hotel in Rio. Mm-hmm. And she goes, Bob, you probably don't remember, but eight years ago, you gave my son, Desmond, a running leg when he was mm-hmm. eight years old. And tomorrow night, he's running in the finals at the 200 meters. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's awesome. Isn't that the coolest? That's it. Yes. And then the whole idea of the building was we got this. It was going for $2.4 million. We got it for $1.6, gutted it told the architects, mm-hmm. we want this building to be as flawed as our athletes are, right? <laughs> Beautifully we, flawed. We don't want, we don't want <laughs> one straight line in this building, and there's not one straight line. Everything's That's a great. little off kilter. <laughs> and so we received this ORCID Award for architecture. And architects are, did an amazing yeah, job with this. Is that your thing? You know, oh, and and so as an architect myself, yes. oh, yeah. I'm so... <laughs> Nicole, I know, things, but they just did a really great. Well, job. and then look at you know some of the grass. So that's Willie Stewart who lost his leg in the Watergate building when he was a uh, right out of high school. He is a wrestler. Was had a full on full ride scholarship and wow. was working construction. And he was in a uh, in the an air conditioning duct and a rope wrapped around his arm and pulled him into a fan. And he's he oh basically when he got to the basement, he he ran down Pennsylvania Avenue with his severed arm. And, you know, eight kids in the family, and, you know, it wasn't long before, you know, he, he, he was in the hospital, and he's thrown his mom an orange and said, hey, can you peel this for me? And she's like, threw the back, goes, peel it yourself. Oh, that's awesome. Figure this out. So that's Willie awesome. has come back from that, and they never had prosthetic arms. Mm. He was one of the first guys, again, a, yeah. sort of a test tube, a uh, crash test dummy, right. to try out the different things. But this made such a huge difference. When he first did Iron Man yeah. with one arm, he couldn't take his hand off the bars to grab for anything from the aid station. So he had a reservoir of like a gallon of water under mm-hmm. his seat with a tube that he drank from. And then when he got out to the nice. turnaround, he'd have to get another gallon and put in there. Okay. So it's made such a difference to actually have an arm. that No, uh, just the balance totally. and being able to have have something there um, under the rough terrain that I mm-hmm. see he's riding on. Oh, yeah. He's doing this summer... He's doing the Leadville 100 mountain bike race. Mm-hmm. The lead, it's called the Leadman, the Leadville 100 run, the Leadville marathon, the a thing called Silver Rush is a 50 mile mountain bike, and there's one, there's a 10k as well. Is that it's, here in San Diego? No, Leadville is actually Colorado. Oh. It's up at like 14,000 feet, and so it's it's brutal. Oh. Oh, yeah. Besides the fact that... Thin air and everything. Thin air and straight up and straight down. It's scarier and crap, and, and Willie's just an animal. But uh, awesome. Willie's been very, very special. And then, so, Bill Walton brought in all the solar tubes, all the screens from Sony, and at the same time, uh, wow. he brought in the sound engineers from the Grateful Dead to design the sound system. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. We have Decibel Day that's... to thank for our... Uh, for no way. System. Hey, Christine. Hi. 
And then the other thing that we can do in here is we can, this is sit volleyball, which is actually That's a Paralympic awesome. sport. Yes. So we have every Wednesday night, they do sit volleyball. We have yoga in here for, for wheelchair athletes and for amputees. So it's not just the headquarters. That's it. You do sports here as well. We do you, you wheelchair basketball. Yeah, yeah. So, and we can do wheelchair lacrosse. We can do all sorts of different sports in here. That's great. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's very functional. And then uh, weight room. And one of the main purposes for the weight room, because people can go, you know, you can go to 24-hour fitness, you can go anywhere you want. But the main thing for us was so many of the troops come back. Mm-hmm. And you're 22, 23 years old, you're missing a leg or an arm, mm-hmm. and all you have is your physicality and, right. not, and, and your, your, your family, which is your athletes, well, or your, uh, your platoon, and now that's gone. Mm-hmm. You're on your own, and you can't really just walk into 24-hour fitness and work out with your new body. So we can bring trainers here on the weekend, open up the garage door, and have trainers work with our guys on how do you use straps, right? How do you use yeah. different pieces of equipment? That, and how do you do squats now that you have one leg? How do you do the different yeah. stuff? So that way when they go That's, into the gym, yeah. they're feeling confident. Yeah. That's amazing because I didn't have anything like that. I, no. In, I, my accident was in 2004. I didn't even know there were Paralympics until 2008. Yeah. And for a former athlete, seeing that for the first time, it was amazing. Right. But like you said, um, even if they do go to the gym right away, you feel um, ostracized. You, you feel, feel like people are staring at you. Correct. You, you feel out of place anyways. Yeah. So to come here or be at the events that we do, like the thing in October, what's great about it, we'll, and one of the things we didn't think that much about was we have 140 challenge athletes out there at this, at this triathlon. And having a mom come up to us and go, you guys don't realize, but for, you know, we live in Nebraska. We've never seen another amputee. And for 364 days a year, my child feels like a freak because he's stared at all the time. Mm -hmm. Here, he feels like everybody else. And you just don't realize how important that acceptance is and having people who are faced with the same. And then you're looking at some guy go, wow, I'm a double amp. He's quadruple. You know, you're looking at other people going, they've, I thought I had it tough Mm -hmm. and realize, you know what? For the grace of God, I'm doing okay. Yeah. 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 So then we have we have showers in the back, and then uh, this actually is pretty fun. You guys heard of spinning, right? Spin yeah. bike. So Johnny G created spin, and this you know, is like a spin bike. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Yeah, he's in LA. Yep, he's LA. Yeah. So Johnny would at our San Diego Triathlon Challenge. We have hundred bikes on the on the grass. It's like a three ring circus. We got a kids run. We got a walk. We got all sorts of stuff going on besides the one mile swim and forty four mile bike and ten mile run. And uh, Johnny was teaching spin, and he noticed some of our hand cycle guys on rollers, you know, doing the hand cycle. Mm -hmm. And he goes, oh, I'm going to go try that out. So he jumped off and started... Go, using his arms on the hand cycle and, and within, his legs and after five minutes he was totally gassed yes. so he went home and created the crank bike oh my god and so his idea was for somebody who's able-bodied they can this is in the gym you know you just get down and it's just really adjustable you know it's got all the different stretch and oh nice you can rotate this way and the thing you know it, it it uh, totally adjustable you can flip it around all sorts oh, of stuff cool. and then for somebody who's wheelchair bound this one, you can roll in with your regular chair and oh, not I have see. to transfer. Yeah. It has these little uh-huh. bumps where it can click you in, basically. Basically it. So you don't have That's to worry great. about transferring. And that came from being at our event and going, oh, 
Because then, That's so what they awesome. do is they put these in the G, in the spin class, mm -hmm. and people go twenty minutes spin, and then or twenty minutes spin, and then ten minutes on this, or five minutes on this will gas you. Yes. Right. So it's uh, especially a lot of bicyclists who never use their arm. Yeah. They don't use their arms ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is ESPN LA. I'm Laferne Cusack, and we're touring the Challenged Athletes Foundation with co-founder. Bob Babbitt, and Angel City Games athlete, Jonathan Brown. Bob is talking about CAF's athlete, Haven Shepard. Listen in. So we've got a little girl named Haven Shepard. Uh -huh. She was born in Vietnam and born out of wedlock to uh, a man and woman who were having an affair. And they're oh. both married to other people, which is really considered taboo in Vietnam. In Vietnam, yes. So yes. the two of them, after Haven was born, they decided that they would kill themselves. And they wrapped bomb around themselves and her. Oh, no. they like this. Killed themselves and blew her legs off. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So there was a piece wow. in the paper about this. And this family from Missouri, mm -hmm. the Shepherds, flew there. And this is all in the video. The video is amazing. It's on our, mm -hmm. on our site. And they, when they went there... Is she above or below? Uh, she's below. Okay. So... When um, when they went there, they basically you see them on a bus, then you see them on mopeds, and then you see Grandma basically handing them mm -hmm. little Haven, and they brought her home. And they, the shepherds had six other you know white blue eyed kids and Haven. And when you see the family interaction, she's part of the family. You know, she's awesome. the same as everybody else. She's a shepherd girl. So Haven now is running and swimming, and she, awesome. she was actually at the last Paralympic trials in swimming. And, That's great. You know, so this, yeah. uh, these, each day of the bike ride that I mentioned, a million dollar challenge, you get a, a jersey with the route for the day, and so one of the one of the one of the women who did the ride put this quilt together. That was cool. Isn't that fun? That's great. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's really um, it's 620 miles. It's changed a little bit over time, but that's cool. In terms of the stories of our athletes, yeah. Every one of them, like the uh, well, obviously Rudy's story, but the picture of, of Scout who's with Bill. Right. Was, I should tell you. So the, the bad yeah. story on that is. Scout was uh, born in Nanjing, China, and her leg was burned off in a chemical fire before she was a year old, and so she was abandoned oh at this orphanage. And that or at that orphanage, basically, the kids were not allowed outside. For the first seven years of her life, she was never outside. When she was adopted by a family from Michigan at the age of seven, she weighed 22 pounds. Oh, my gosh. They just get like a little cup of rice a day. That was it. So... She came, and she was like these people. She all of a sudden here's these Anglo people with blonde hair and a bald guy with a mustache. And she, are they aliens? What are these things? Mm -hmm. And they weren't. They were never allowed in school or anything, right? <laughs> so when she got to Michigan, she wasn't just the only uh, person as an amputee in her little town. She's the only Asian in her little town. Oh, within a, within a year and a half, she is winning spelling bees in English even though she knew, didn't speak one word of English <laughs> until she got there. She got a full-ride academic scholarship to UCLA, which oh. is why I posed her with Bill, right. former UCLA grade. He's a UCLA And then what happened player. is she went back to Beijing as a triathlete and participated in the world championships and took a bronze medal. It's the first time she was back in China since she was adopted. Oh, my wow. gosh. Then she realized her real love was track and field. Mm -hmm. And right now she's the American record holder for single above the empties in 100 and 200 meters and the world record of 400 meters. She just took a, uh, I think, a silver in the world championships this weekend. Yeah, I saw um, 
uh, I saw her on Instagram, yeah. and she is just ripped. Ripped. She does CrossFit and a whole bit. Yeah. So meanwhile, oh my God. if you um, look up on YouTube, Unlimited Scout, mm-hmm. with a piece that Nike put together, it's two minutes, and it's just beautiful. It's so powerful. It's really. They took, Nike just did a six-year global deal with Scout. She's representing them on a global basis. That's and they took her back to China and recreated her where she was, you know, being abandoned and went back to the orphanage and all that type of stuff. It's, it's amazing. pretty amazing. Yeah. So it's got the Scout Bassett piece yeah. that, that Lisa Nancy, the gals who produced Manual Gift, they produced our feature on oh. Scout back probably it's like eight years ago or so. But it's still relevant because it shows there's actually video of her at the orphanage with the, the people who adopted her where the mom walked in and they decided to pick this boy named Parker and they took Scout. They weren't planning to it. They were looking for somebody else. They ended up adopting both of them. Oh. And then they, they call her up or they call up the mom and say, you realize that the girl is missing a leg. Mm-hmm. And her response was, well, she obviously needs me more. Mm-hmm. Where most people would be like, eh, I don't really want to. I mean, it's enough yeah. taking a kid who doesn't speak English, but their whole philosophy, their whole mentality was, she needs me more. And so now Scout is... It's she's wonderful there's selling. people like that in the yeah. world. Well, and also, she's become a celebrity. She's a, you know, people, you, you've mentioned Scout in the uh, Challenge Athlete community. Everybody knows her. And now mm-hmm. with the whole Nike thing, I think her, her, the Unlimited Scout has had close to 300,000 views. Wow. Yeah, so That's she's... Amazing. Yeah, she's great. That's so she's... Her story and so many of our other stories are yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I should show you the, the so when I, the Tony DeZeno, the guy who did the photos for us. So uh, Tony did posters for Nike. He shot Michael Jordan, and Michael, oh, wow. Michael gave him, told him ahead of time, you got 30 seconds <laughs> to shoot a poster. 30 oh, yeah. seconds. Oh, my God. So he totally, and he, he had Michael out in 20 seconds, and that's, that's when insane. they became buddies. So these are some of the shots I had him do. So it's just a, oops, like that. Oh, see that wall? That, oops. That's that awesome. fun. Nice. Yeah. So, see. so Cameron, right. we met him when he was about six. Mm-hmm. And he came to a, uh, a clinic we did down here. And he's a double above knee yes. from birth. And he was with the Shriners. And the Shriners didn't believe in high-tech prosthetics because mm. they were kids, right? And they're mm. grown. So his were held together with leather straps. So when he was at school, if he had to go to the bathroom, and we're talking a seven, eight-year-old kid, he had to go to the principal's office to have the oh guy undo God. the straps for him to go to the bathroom. Wow. So it, when he was at our clinic, he became really good friends with another double... Uh, no, actually. He was at... After our clinic... They were watching TV, and they saw another double above me named Cody McCaslin. And Cody was running on the Ellen Show, right, as a double above me. And that's when the mom, the kindergarten teacher of, of Cameron, reached out to the Ellen Show. The Ellen Show reached out to Tina McCaslin and Cody's mom, and then she connected the mom, Kristen, with us. And it's funny how a lot of this yes. stuff just goes through. And so the next thing you know, we're on Dateline with Cody giving Cameron running legs from us. Wow. That was a really cool story. That's yeah, really yeah, cool. Yeah. And so now seeing That's him. me at the Angel City Games when I was running the 5,000 meter. Oh, did you run the 5K? I did. Um, wow. So that's, you, can, you can't really see it, but this, the brace goes from here down and locks my leg into place. Oh. So, so do you I swing it? it. I swing it around. Um, sometimes 5K, man, that's yeah. a long way that way. 
Yeah, well, I want to be, I'm going to protest the IOC um, to have a lower leg disabled non-wheelchair marathon runner, and I want to be the one that runs it. Why not? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things that's bothering me right now with this whole IPC uh-huh. is they're making, you know, like a lot of the guys who are double above knee and double mm-hmm. below knee, is they're basically saying, hey, we're, this is about the 10th time, you know, they keep changing the heights of these guys. And the one of the kids I work with just got a scholarship to mm-hmm. Arkansas to awesome. run track. Well, if they start saying that, okay, we're arbitrarily saying you should be 5'8", mm-hmm. well, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, exactly. who are you guys to decide how tall how someone tall. is? Now, I can tell if somebody's, but if somebody's too tall, they're not going to be able to control the so yeah. it's, it's just one of those things there's where... There's a balance. There's a balance, <laughs> and they need to be part of the equation. They yeah. need to be part of the discussion. Right. You can't yeah. just... Tell someone you what they need. <laughs> you can't just ruin their lives and, and, and say, and they go, oh, well, by the way, we're gonna, they're getting rid of the, they used to have the 100, 200, and 400. Mm-hmm. For uh, the for next Paralympics, they go. Oh, we're not going to do the 200 anymore. Just like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. it's just everything is random. And yeah. so I was telling these guys, the stars are these double amps, right? These guys are the ones everybody knew, starting with Oscar Pistorius. I'm like, oh, guys, right. we just need to get together and basically say, we're not going. Yeah, we'll create our own track meet at the same time of your Paralympic games, and we'll right. do it in the states, and we'll get our own television, and we'll kick your ass. We'll kick your butt. You know? yeah. because I think these governing bodies just feel they have way too much power, and yeah, you know, I think that's the issue with most. But um, when people ask me now why well, I want to get rid of my leg, um, so I have RSD, CRPS. This is a pain scale. Oh. <laughs> so you can see. Wow. <laughs> that's every day. You're always in pain. Yeah. Well, see, that's why... I, it, it, that's it, why it, it, laughing is my coping mechanism. <laughs> well, but you know what's funny is I talk to, you know, so many of our guys who've had, mm-hmm. you know, the legs amputated and mm-hmm. try to hold on to it forever. Yeah. And I remember one guy telling me, he says, you don't realize how much pain you're in until it's gone. Yeah. That, that always resonates. And not just from those guys, but also from people who've had knee replacement, yeah. etc. And as human beings... All we've done through evolution um, is, well, we messed a lot of stuff up, but we've also um, adapted. Right. It's all we do is right. we adapt. Right, adapt to what this, yeah. And so you just adapt to the level of pain you're at. Right. So when, some, when my doctor showed me this pain scale, mm-hmm. so I'm at the top. Yeah, all the time. Right. And then you can see what's below. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you're amazing. So seriously, I, the sooner the better on, on meeting with Peter, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I sent you his contact and stuff, right? Um, I think I sent a note did. to you, you and did. Peter. You yeah. did, yes. And you're, you are uh, get back to people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, you can tell like you're 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 part of this foundation, and and because you can you just well, get back to people right important. away. It's, it's amazing. important. It's like the the gal. So I was interviewing the gal who was injured. You know, she was training for she had finished second in her division in Kona at the Ironman World Championship as an age group athlete. It just uh-huh. turned pro, and three months ago in April, on April eighteenth. Both tires blew while she's out for a ride. Goes down, paralyzed, right? Oh, no. And then yesterday I was interviewing a gal with the scuba diving gal, mm-hmm. right? So connected those guys last mm-hmm. night because Liz can be a mentor for this gal, Lauren, right. who is injured. Right. And we can talk all we want. I mean, I can talk mm-hmm. to you about, hey, this is what you right. should do really like. But when you talk to somebody who's gone through the same thing yeah. you have, yes. there's more street cred there. Well, we got actually another guy in L.A. who's phenomenal, Blake Leeper. 
is a and what a great name for track and field athlete. That's right? amazing. Name. So he was when he was uh, he was born uh, below the amputee, both in Tennessee, mm-hmm. and played baseball, basketball, just regular sports, and was right because. And then at the when he was um, it was 2008, he was mm-hmm. watching television. There was Oscar Pistorius, right, running in Beijing, and he's like. What are those things? He had never seen the blades <laughs> yeah. before. So he goes online and finds us and oh, tells wow. his dad, hey, I can get these legs from these, this foundation. And right. his dad was like, nobody is giving you $30,000 in a leg. That's a scam. Yeah. Right? Oh, right. my God. Right. So Blake, right. you know, Blake convinces him eventually to apply. We get him the legs. They drive from Tennessee to Oklahoma to a thing called the Endeavor Games for Blake to run his first track meet. Right. in his brand new legs. And he's, he doesn't even know what the blocks are. Right? He's looking at these things and says, <laughs> he has no idea what to do with them. He wins the 100, 200, and 400, oh. immediately oh makes our God. team, right? goes to Rio with a good friend of mine named Joaquim Cruz, who's a coach of the U.S. para track and field team, who won a gold medal for Brazil in the, um, in the 800 in 1984. And is a huge star. So Blake gets off the plane with this guy Joaquim in Brazil, mm-hmm. And he says, I felt like I was with Michael Jordan. And people are like, who is this guy who's my coach? So then he looks him up online. He's like, oh, my God. There's like, we're in a track stadium, and there's like a 20-foot poster of Joachim on the stadium. And Joachim never told us anything. So anyways, then um, Joachim tells me that, Bob, this kid not only can make the Paralympic team, he can make the Olympic team. He's that good. And. I went out and watched his Olympic training center. He was, he was going to go to medical school in Tennessee. Yeah. He comes out here and he's training. He goes to London. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first event he's running in is the 200. Mm. And I'm thinking, it's one thing to run a track meet with your family and friends sitting yeah. in the stand. You saw this amount yeah. of crowd that was oh, in LA. There's like 10 yeah. people there, right? Right. So now it's 85,000 people in this arena. That's in, insane. In, in yeah. London. And you're like, how is he going to react to yes. this? Cameras doing each person. And he's like... You know, point, and I'm like, he'll be fine. Yeah. So he's yeah. coming down the stretch of the 200, and he's, like, in fourth place. And right at the finish, he does a Pete Rose dive and gets the bronze, right? Oh laying on the track, this is, like, the longest 10 seconds of his life. He's, like, laying there, and then all of a sudden he sees Blake Leaper bronze. His grandfather, who'd never been on a plane before, flew from Tennessee to wow. be there. He had, like, all his family there. He wins the bronze. Then he takes a silver in the 400, and... You know, comes back and all of a sudden he's in the NBA All-Star game and the Celebrity game and all this great stuff's happening. And what I didn't know is that he was dealing with, he'd been like basically an alcoholic since the age of 16. It's so difficult. We don't think about it. When somebody, when somebody leaves the house right. at the age of four or five, six years old and people are always staring at you because you're missing your legs yeah. or you're wearing prosthetic legs, he couldn't really deal with it. He wasn't comfortable with his own skin. And his granddad was like, well, this might help. You know, a little old granddad, right? right. A little whiskey. Right. And so before you know it, the yeah. kid was self-medicating and drinking. And mm-hmm. so after he gets the Paralympic medals, he goes positive for cocaine. And Rudy called me up. They were all roommates. I had, I had Rudy and Blake and another kid named Roderick who's a swimmer, all three of them living together down here. Mm-hmm. And I pitched Austin Murphy at Sports Illustrated. I said, three athletes, uh, one goal, no legs. You know, right? <laughs> you know, that, that yeah. it's, 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 it's all three were double amputees. And he was, we had already met, and he was a totally into it. And then Blake goes positive for freaking cocaine. Oh, jeez. And then I was, so anyways, when yeah. he went positive, Rudy called me. He said, he just went positive. I said, 
please tell him to talk, talk to me before he does anything stupid because the key is the cover-up is worse mm-hmm. than... So he tells them that his, it, was on his, it was from his girlfriend, it was on the toothbrush, and yada, yada, yada. And then they're like, well, okay, we'll do a hair sample. Oh, no. And he shaves his body. Oh, jeez. Oh, so he did everything. So he got yeah. a two-year ban. Yeah. And his ban ended June 21st of this year. He's training with um, Willie Galt. 85 really? Bears, yeah. Olympic gold medals in L.A., at UCLA. Yeah. And his first time out, they, he gets to, he was going to come down here he and run. He was a receiver, right? Yes. Yeah. He, he was going to um, run down here that week after he, you know, his band was up. And uh, he gets a call from USA Track and Field inviting him up to Sacramento to run in the regular USA Track and Field meet. <laughs> and he breaks the American world record. He goes 45-25 for 400 meters. Whoa. Yeah. 45 times. So anyways, and we're talking a personality that is, because he'll tell you, he was on the Arsenio show, and Arsenio was like, so who was your role model growing up? He says, my role model was Bo Jackson, because he had a prosthetic hip. That's right. And I always loved Bo. Yeah. And then Arsenio goes, so the legs you're wearing now, is that what you're running? He says, no, no, my my running legs are are backstage. He says, Mm -hmm. hey, can someone bring the running legs out? (laughs) Bo Jackson comes walking. And Blake just that's falls awesome. over on the couch. Yeah, that's how fun. That's oh, how fun. that's so cool. Is that like the coolest thing ever? That's yes. amazing. So yeah. anyways, Blake has this Bo personality. Jackson seems that, like that kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, he just... Uh, he's yeah. he's phena- just a, such a great personality. And he understands that, Blake, what happened was, was, was awful, right? But at the same time, mm-hmm. you've been sober now for two years. If you hadn't... If this had not happened, you'd still be drinking. And mm-hmm. now... And yeah, more people... In the public, can identify with someone dealing with substance abuse. They can deal with somebody, then understand someone missing both legs. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you've overcome both, mm-hmm. and now are back, and mm-hmm. you're you know you weren't taking performance enhancing product, you were you do performance dehancing. <laughs> the fact that every workout you did, right. then you were basically drunk, and then trying to run again the next day. That's not a positive. Now with Willie Galt running mm-hmm. his program and and him getting better and better and better every day, it's amazing. It's no. So um, your show, yes. What's the name of it? It's called What's Babbittville, Babbittville Radio. Uh, but yeah, so Babbittville, I started. Uh, I, well, take backstory. So I, I, I had done the Ironman back in 1980, and had read about it in Sports Illustrated in '79, and just just sounded like a really cool thing. And at that point, 15 people had done the Ironman. 15 did it in 78, and only 12 finished. And 15 did it in 79, and 12 finished. There was an article in Sports Illustrated that year, and then myself and my roommate went over. And we're talking a bike that had been in a fire, the whole back end was charred. I thought that you swam 2.4... Road 56 camped out and rode back the next day and did the marathon. So I had pannier sleeping bag and tent on a bike. It was an adventure. We didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. Now, Ironman, there's 45 full Ironmans around the world. There's 105 what they call 70.3 or half Ironmans. And they just sold for nearly $900 million to the largest landowner in China called Wanda. So we're talking 15 idiots on the beach back in 1978 wow. and 79. So this, this whole, so when I came back from doing the Ironman in 1980, because of the article in Sports Illustrated, we had 108 people. And that led to, I, I was a school teacher, PE teacher, and decided that um, you know I, I wanted to do something differently and started working for a magazine called Running and Triathlon News and created the old fart of the month, the running wino, and all these totally <laughs> inappropriate characters. Right. And But people liked it. It was mm-hmm. cool. So then when that magazine went out of business in 87, 
uh, April of 87, we didn't, my partner uh, from the magazine, this gal Lois Schwartz and I, we didn't know what to do because we were out of a job. And I went and met with a couple of magazines in the state, California Bicyclists and Southwest Cycling, and told both of them, if we did a magazine that combined running, triathlon, and cycling, it could be really cool, rather That's than just being running or just right, being triathlon. Right. And both of them told me the same thing. We'll never put a skinny runner on the cover of the magazine. <laughs> Triathlon's a fad. I'll be gone in five years. And the only sport that matters to us is cycling. So we came back oh, to San Diego, and I was, I, was pretty, <laughs> I was pretty bummed. And a couple of our advertisers at Running Triathlon News came to Lois and I, gave us a check for $17,000, and said, start your own magazine. Oh, oh awesome. Gosh. And Dawn used to work for us over at the old competitor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Technically, I'm still there. Yes, oh. I am. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had our little, our little company, so we grew. You know, we, 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 were, under, we were underneath 20,000 pounds of bike racks. Uh, we were in a guy's garage. And we were paying $200 a month for 200 square feet, and we loved it. You know, we had no idea. The guy who created Nikes was using a waffle iron to make soles of shoes. Yeah, Bill thought Bob, he was yeah. crazy too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so it's just all those things. So we grew it to um, half a million circulation with uh, 11 editions around the country. Mm-hmm. And I created a series called the Muddy Buddy Ride and Run Series. Two people on a mountain bike take turns running and riding and climb over obstacles and going through mud. And, and at the same time, you know, that was 87. Then we started CAF in 93 and we started Muddy Buddy in 99. And the official charity for Muddy Buddy was Challenge Athletes Foundation. We had our athletes mm-hmm. participating, so everything was integrated. That's one of my, That's my big things is yeah. putting everything together. In 08, we sold to a private equity firm that bought uh, my seven Muddy Buddies, my, the, the competitor brand, the, mm-hmm. the radio show. I also had endurance awards where we honored Will Ferrell and all sorts of different oh, endurance great. athletes. And it became the competitor group, and then we bought... Uh, elite racing which owned the rock and roll marathon series and they had seven rock and rolls and triathlete magazine and bella news and we grew that from so from 08 to 12 under competitor group we went from seven muddy buddies to 18 and from seven rock and rolls to 34 so we're talking about 650,000 participants in rock and roll 65 percent women changed the whole demographic running used to be 90 percent guys and 10 percent women and all of a sudden because of rock and roll and because of the charity component and everything else the whole world changed so then we sold again in 2012 and then in 14 um it was just over 500 employees we're in 50,000 square foot this is more like me right so we i left and then relaunched uh, babbittville and then I do these shows called Breakfast with Bob, which just got back from New York, where I'll do uh, interviews with athletes, and we put them up immediately on Facebook Live. Oh, we did cool. it in Kona, yeah. But yeah. really what happened we, with Competitor, what I found is we were covering a lot of the wheelchair athletes, and the stories were so much richer. You know, Jim Knob was an Olympic trials pole vaulter, and then he was hit by a car and paralyzed. And he says, by, says Bob, I wasn't even on the ground yet, and I knew my life was going in a different direction. Yeah. And so at that point, wow. we're talking in, you know, in the early 80s, he, he would go into rehab centers. And doctors back then, when you were injured, they're like, you need to get a van, you need to have a lift gate, you need to have here's this. Yeah, yeah, here's, yeah, yeah. And Jimmy, and I've had guys tell me this, actually, when I had that party a couple weeks ago, I had this guy, Bruce Cornell, who said, Bob, I'm going, I had a construction accident, and I'm in the rehab center, and I see this guy pull up in a convertible Rambler 
right? <laughs> and I see him reach behind him and take this chair and fling it out of the car and then jump into the chair and roll in. And he told us, they told you what you can't do. I'm here to tell you what you can do. <laughs> and he was a guy who started the racing. And actually, it's so funny because he taught me so many lessons. And actually, he's in San, he's up in L.A. too. He's in Long Beach. But so I went to his house once. And you know, his whole thing was, I, I don't want somebody to pat my head and tell me, oh, it's so nice to have you out here. I want to kick their ass and get the prize money. <laughs> and he also understood that he talked to Dwight Stones, the high jumper, who was a friend. And he said, Dwight how do I make this sport relevant? Because what parent wants their kid to grow up to be a wheelchair athlete? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants that. And he goes, if you want this to be a real sport, you need to have a black hat and a white hat. You need to create rivalries because people can relate to rivalries no matter what the sport is. So anyways, this is before CAF. Um, I talked to a guy who had a, a local bike race here called the La Jolla Grand Prix. And they had the top women in the world in downtown La Jolla. You had like 30,000 people. And then they had the top men. And I'm like, would you be okay if we set up a wheelchair race, wheelchair crit on the same half-mile course, and we do it in between, the women's race and the men's race? And race director Richard Bryan says, that sounds great. And had Jim Knob and David Bailey. Bailey's the photo there, you know, um, pushing uh, at the Ironman. Oh. And all these, Tommy, yeah, we can walk over here. Um, all these amazing athletes. And we got more, no, this picture here. Oh, this big one. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, we got more wow. media than the bike race did. And the most important thing was I brought in a flatbed truck and put it at one of the turns and brought in rehab patients from Sharp and Scripps Hospital. And my whole mentality was I wanted people to see what the possibilities yes. were. Maybe they can't. And one athlete told me, he said, listen, I don't know if I can get there, but being able to see what's possible just lightens my day. Yeah. So here's the story on David. Oh, cool. David was making 750k years, a top supercross guy in the world, the top motocross guy on the planet, and he was paralyzed in 1986. Uh, he was number one ranked guy in the world, and he was paralyzed in '86, uh, training up at Fresno on a motorcycle. He tried to turn something into a double that was, you know, too sick. Anyways, at the same time, a guy named Carlos Maleta, Navy SEAL, was in Panama, and they're securing President Noriega's plane. Oh. And they were ambushed. He gets shot in the back and paralyzed. So, 90, we pushed to get wheelchair athletes into the Ironman. At that point, wheelchair athletes were not allowed to participate in the Ironman. And they were concerned that it would open up a whole can of worms. If you're allowing people in a hand cycle, in a racing chair, hmm. what if somebody doesn't swim and they want to use a windsurfer? You know, so, so right. we were like, if the rules are very specific, just relax. Just relax. Yeah. <laughs> so 94, a guy named John Franks came over and didn't make the bike cutoff time, 530 yeah. after. 95, John McLean from Australia, and 96 didn't make it. 97, he makes it. Then 98, David Bailey and Carlos Maleda both come over to Kona, right? And David had beaten him in the qualifying race and went home figuring, okay, I own that guy, I'll just refine. And Carlos went home and went to work. And when they got to Kona, Carlos beat him like a snare drum. Just like <laughs> went by him out going up the first hill yeah. like he was standing so still. Awesome. Yeah. And so then, 99, same thing. Coming into 2000, mm -hmm. I, I went up to Carlos and said, I, I, I know how hard David has been training because David <laughs> was doing 150 mile hand cycle rides. It's like, Bob, if I. If I'm run out of gas uh, on my hand cycle, it's not like I can get up and walk to a phone. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm done. Right. So he, you know, he had Carlos's picture all over the garage, everywhere. And he's like, I want this guy. I need to beat this guy. Mm -hmm. 
So I said to Carlos, I think it's going to be close this year. And Carlos goes, yeah, I'm glad you think that, but mm-hmm. it's not. So early in the race, they come out of the water, and Carlos goes by him up at the first hill and gets a five-minute lead, and you're like, oh. Yeah. Then David catches Carlos on the bike, and then David flats. And Carlos gets away and gets about a five-minute lead at the end of the bike. And then as, hey, they're, doggy. Hey, as they're heading through <laughs> ABT, when they're heading through downtown uh, Kona, Kali'i Drive, there's David's mom and his wife oh, giving wow. him the golf clap. Sort of like, bummer that you're lost again, right? Oh, no. Well, so, yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> as, they, as they head out on the Queen Highway, there's a place called the Natural Energy Lab, which is about a four-mile loop from mile 16 to 20. And it's, this is his, David's last training ride, last training run on his racing chair. He went out there, and it was like 100 degrees out. And he's going, I really don't want to go down there right now because it's four miles, but... I think the race is going to come down to this. i got to know every inch, every pebble of that. So they get to the Natural Energy Lab on race day, and he's two minutes down to Carlos. They come out of the Natural Energy Lab, and David has caught him. This photo is taken right after he caught Carlos. Oh he goes gosh. by him. He wins the race. And I go up to him and say, hey, do you want to go get a massage? He says, no, no, I need to wait for Carlos. <laughs> so Carlos comes in, and you see they use these grimy gloves when they, yeah. when they push, push him. I, I've done wheelchair basketball, yeah. and yeah. I, I, now I have learned that yeah. you need gloves. Yes. So they touch gloves, and then they embrace. And I see David say something to Carlos. And as we're rolling away, I said, so what did he say to you, Carlos? He goes, he said, thank you. I said, what? He said, that's what I said. He said, thank you for pushing me to a level I never would have reached on my own. And to me, that made the chairs disappear. It wasn't about two guys in a chair or two people with disabilities. It was a rivalry of two athletes who wanted to kick the other guy's ass. And that's all they cared about. And Mm -hmm. the chairs disappeared. The disability disappeared. And that's the essence of sport to me. It's that whole, you know, put yourself in someone else's shoes. Put yourself in that chair. And and it just opens up your head about how even even twice as amazing yeah. as you already think they are. Exactly. Yeah. This is truly amazing. <laughs> Pretty Wonderful. fun, huh? Yeah, thank you so much. You're very welcome. The Challenged Athletes Foundation's mission is to provide opportunities and support to people with physical challenges so they can pursue active lifestyles through physical fitness and competition athletics. The Challenged Athletes Foundation believes that involvement in sports at any level increases self-esteem, encourages independence, and enhances quality of life. For more information, please go to challengedathletes.org. I'm Laferne Cusack, and I'll see you next week here on ESPN LA 710. ESPN LA 710.